trying to cheer people up is another one that that people try and do like let's just go have fun let's laugh let's let's try and get you out of the house it's okay to not feel good and to not be okay and so part of supporting a griever is to be there in their discomfort and to allow them to just lay around if they need to to be angry if they need to to be apathetic Um, Whatever it is, it's about um, kind of walking alongside of them versus trying to get them in a different place. Welcome to the With You at Every Step podcast. We address your healthcare questions and help you navigate life's challenges. Our guests share their expertise and real world advice related to care for older adults, grief and healing, and pregnancy and parenting. Every Step is a nonprofit healthcare and human services organization offering dozens of programs that are there when people need us most. Learn more about our free and low-cost services at everystep.org. Thank you for listening. Here is our host, Holly Carver-Kim. And thank you for joining us again today for With You at Every Step. Our guest today is Ashley Morey. She is the Director of Grief and Loss Services and that encompasses the Amanda the Panda program here at Every Step. And Ashley, we want to thank you for taking time to join us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. You know, grief is a universal uh, emotion that everyone will go through at some point in their lives. Um, And yet, although it's a universal um, experience, a lot of people don't know uh, exactly how to handle it, especially when it comes to um, interacting with someone else who is grieving. Sure. And, and so that's kind of what we want to concentrate on today is is how do we uh, relate to and possibly reach out and try to help someone in our lives who is grieving the loss of a loved one. Um, so I guess the first thing I would start with for you, Ashley, is uh, what is uh, what are some of the things that we can say or do that are helpful? Because I think a lot of times, and I'm talking from personal experience, I don't know what to say, so I don't say anything. And I know that's probably not a, a piece of good advice. So what are some of the things we can do to help those who are grieving? Yeah, when supporting a loved one, I think the most important thing to remember is to show and tell them about your care and concern. And just um, to genuinely show that. And you do that by offering a hug or an arm around the shoulder, if appropriate, if you're close enough. Letting them know that you love them and care about them and actually saying that out loud. uh, And that you're there for them in whatever capacity that they need you. It's important to recognize that they might not know how they need you at first. And that's okay too. So asking questions like, do you want to talk to me about how you're feeling or what you're experiencing? Um, What do you believe about what happened or what are the questions you're having? What are some of the things that you're currently going through? You could also ask um, questions just about like, instead of you know, how are you feeling? You could talk about like, how are you eating? How are you sleeping? If they're in school, how's that class going? If they're at work, is, are you able to uh, function and focus at work? Have you been able to take time off? Uh, is there anything that you've been able to do for fun? Obviously, you want to make sure you're asking these at appropriate times in the grieving process, uh, but that would be just some different ways to check in and that's always helpful. And if you find that the person is having a hard time answering any of those questions at all, 
then sometimes just doing things for them uh, to help them in their day-to-day, whether it is I'm going to send them a gift card to get some food or send them some Uber Eats to their door, or I'm going to go mow their yard without them asking at all, just to be able to kind of lighten the load of all of those tasks that continue to go on and things that they will continue to have to do just to be able to help them. Also, I think just making it clear to them that you're there to listen. And whenever that is, if they want to talk at all about anything. And the thing that people kind of stray away from the most is talking about their loved one, which really it should be the opposite. But they, I think people are afraid to upset the person who has lost someone. And so they wait for them to bring up their loved one when really... When you're a griever, you want nothing more than to talk about them and and all the good and the bad. And so when you bring that up, it gives them permission to do so and to talk about the memories and the love and, and the anger and the frustration and all of those things surrounding their death and their life as well. So being able to acknowledge that, that just that you're there for them when they, they need you and that you want to talk about their loved one and continue their memory with them. So it, Overall, I would say it's just really important to be present with people um, and to continue to check in, not only on anniversaries and holidays, but on weekends and nighttime and other times when things can get heavy. Right after a death, a person tends to have the most support around them than those first few months. And then people go back home or kind of go back there about their lives. And so to be a person that continues to check in three months out, six months out, you know, not, not maybe not daily, but at least on a weekly basis and, or whatever the comfort level is of that person and asking them how often that is helpful for them to be able to talk about their loved one or just to talk in general or just to be present. So that is uh you mentioned something that really resonated with me because I've had the opportunity to talk to lots of folks who have gone through um, some of the the services and, and grief support groups and um, that we offer at every step. And we'll talk about those two coming up um, for anybody who needs those resources. But uh, one thing I think is universal that every single person I have talked to has said is that exactly what you said, that, you know, uh, during the the initial loss and then the funeral and um, and that period after, there's people all over the place. They're bringing food and 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 that's great. That's that's not a bad thing. Um, and it's okay that people go back to their normal lives too. But the grieving individual um, isn't going back to their normal life immediately. Things are different for them, and um, they do feel uh, the ones I've spoken to anyway feel kind of like, okay, now I'm kind of out here on my own. And uh, just your suggestion to keep checking in seems like a really, a really important one. Yeah, exactly. We, we hear that a lot in our groups as well. Just that people feel disconnected the, the longer the time frame has happened since the loss. And especially at work or at when settings aren't maybe as intimate uh, and you've got tasks, it's task oriented and job duties, things tend to get caught up with, we've got to just keep going. 
And while meanwhile, while their whole world has really stopped and they, even though it's been six months, they're, they still feel like it was yesterday and they're learning to live an entirely new life without their person. So it's really important to be able to have those supports that will continue to show up and say, I recognize that you're not going to be okay today. So at some time you're going to be okay, um, but it's okay to not be okay right now. Yeah. I think one thing um, that I've experienced anyway is, um, yeah, I don't want to make that person upset uh, uh, or, you know, I, you know, I've had the experience of, of talking to someone about their loss and, and then they start getting emotional. I feel like, oh, great. Now I've, I've brought this all back up again for them. Um, it, I'm imagining that's not the way I should feel, uh, that it's okay for people to express their emotions. But I think, you know, people just need to hear that maybe that if, if you're talking to somebody and they do get emotional about it, that that's not that you've done something wrong. Right. Exactly. I think that it's really important to not avoid those topics of conversation because they're thinking about it all the time. They're experiencing it all the time. So you bringing it up is not like they've stored that painful loss someplace. Maybe they have in the moment, but uh, it's, it's there. It's present with them all day long. And so actually it does quite the opposite. And although it may bring tears or feelings that aren't the greatest, they're there anyways. It just gives permission to feel them. And it also allows the person to feel supported and not like they're not alone and that they aren't being avoided. Oftentimes, uh, grievers will feel like they're being avoided when people are walking on eggshells around them. And so it, it just... To not feel like you're like prying into personal matters. Well, if you were there to show up for them when their person died, then that means to be able to show up for them for however long they need you. And it could be years and it could be months um, and it will more than likely be in some capacity for the rest of their lives. It'll look different and it'll change over time. But to be able to to be there in whatever way they need and to actually talk to them about the, the loss and their person. What are the, some of the things uh, that we should stay away from saying? Um, long time ago, uh, I read something and it really, it stuck with me and I don't even know if it's factual, <laughs> but um, I'd read an article that said, don't tell somebody, you know, just how they feel no, because that's right. you don't yeah. know just how they feel. Uh, can right. you talk about that a little? Yeah. I mean, you've never, you haven't walked in their shoes, even if you've had the same experience in terms of. I, I've also lost a loved one. Um, I know someone who has died or I know someone who's died the same way. It doesn't mean that your experience of that loss is the same as theirs. And it certainly doesn't make it any lighter or change anything for them. So really, um, it kind of goes back to being present for their situation and how they're feeling and allowing them to be the person to uh, talk about their experience and just be with them versus introducing any kind of comparisons or trying to make them feel better by misery loves company. Uh, it Oftentimes it doesn't feel good because then they, they feel bad for you too and they don't want anybody else to feel that way. Um, while our, our support groups are rooted in peer-to-peer -peer connection in that you 
walk into a room full of other individuals who have experienced the same thing as you, and that is very helpful. Our groups aren't uh, everybody walk sitting down and talking about how I went through what you went through. I went through what you. It's it's them talking about their own individual experiences. So I would say some things to avoid in addition to that would be probably asking questions about the circumstances surrounding the death. People are often just curious and want to know, and that's understandable. However, that's something that is for the griever to share on their own accord and when they when they would like to. And because um, oftentimes with a lot of, of deaths, there's stigma associated with the way that their person died. There can also just be really um, confusing or painful circumstances that they're still trying to work through. So sharing that information out uh, isn't helpful for them and, and allowing them to do that on their own time is really what's going to be best. So you just don't ask those questions. Um, you know, not offering advice or any kinds of solutions. There's nothing that's going to bring their person back. It continues to go back to that being present and listening and being there. Um, so, you know, also saying things like you should, um, uh, you should do this, you should do that, you should try this. Uh, avoiding platitudes, like time heals all wounds, they're in a better place now. Those kinds of sayings, again, don't fix anything. Um, and oftentimes... <laughs> create a lot of anger and resentment because they're in a better place now. Would your loved one, would you want them to be someplace else other than with you? So those platitudes were created with with good intent, uh, but they often fail miserably and really end up hurting people. So I think trying to cheer people up is another one that that people try and do. Like, let's just go have fun. Let's laugh. Let's Let's try and get you out of the house it's okay to not feel good and to not be okay. And so part of supporting a griever is to be there in their discomfort and to allow them to just lay around if they need to, to be angry if they need to, to be apathetic. Um, Whatever it is, it's about um, kind of walking alongside of them versus trying to get them in a different place. I have to add one to the list there for you because I just had... uh as I said, did another interview with someone who benefited so much from from our services and, and resources at every step. But she lost both of her parents, not at the same time, but they were in their 80s. And um, she she sort of felt like people thought, well, they're in their 80s. Okay. You, you know, um, didn't you expect that? Or, well, they had a nice long life. And her her feeling, which I can relate to, was, well, yeah. And I still wish they were having that long life. Right. Um, right. Yeah. It's more about they, they're minimizing the loss that way. Um, you'll be OK. It's it's good that they lived a long life. It's not that bad. It, at least you still have this. So you really minimize with those kinds of conversations um, and things will go back to normal before you know it, that kind of stuff. But that is also just really not helpful. I mean, again, well-intentioned. I know a lot of people are very well-intentioned with those things. But if you think about it, we're placing um, beliefs or hopes and, again, just kind of repeating platitudes that we've heard before, which ends up ends up minimizing how people really do feel because uh, everybody's unique in their grief journey. 
And so they can't possibly all feel the same thing that those those different platitudes and, and sayings are are putting out there. How do we talk to children about death? I, and I think that's one of the last things you want to talk to your child about, but uh, it's a reality. And um, how do you even begin that conversation? Or do you start talking about death before it occurs? What's your advice as a as a you know an expert in this field about talking to children about grief? <laughs> I would say the number one thing is to be honest and encourage questions. So. Of course, if there is any anticipatory loss happening, whether that is you know that your loved one has a terminal diagnosis and they will die soon, or um, you maybe have years ahead of you, but you know that they're not in good health, those conversations are still encouraged. Uh, Children do better when we're honest with them and when we also let them know that they can ask us anything. So that looks different at each uh, stage, developmental stage for kiddos. So, you know, infants really, while they can grasp is that like adults in their life are sad or angry, but they don't understand the concept of death. So it's really important that, and it's okay for us to display our emotions because that helps to role model that those emotions will happen Um, and that you can come out the other side of that. So it's just important to um, make sure that you are displaying your emotions and not just always hiding those because they might come out um, in another way that, again, infants just kind of like absorb that, right? Um, As far as preschoolers, they really have that, they can see death as like reversible because they, when it's out of sight, it's out of mind for them. Um, like non-permanent events may kind of invent like magical thinking that they could come back. And so uh, really what's important there is talking about like what causes death. They understand that all living things breathe and that they need air. They can understand that humans have, you know, a certain a heart and that they also need it. So you can talk about things in terms of just like a tree um, will live a life and needs oxygen and dirt and sun and water. And eventually at some point the tree will die. You can talk about it the same way as humans. And it it keeps it in a very simplistic, more concrete thinking when they have that magical thinking. And then when you go to like elementary school aged, um, they really do understand the permanence of death. That's kind of where that switch happens. Um, but they can struggle with like the events that lead to someone dying. So that's where the honesty is really important and being able to allow them to ask questions and explain to them on their level um, that this doesn't happen to everyone that this just happened in this circumstance, um, but that death is universal and obviously using words that they understand, but that um, to help them to understand like a simple explanation of death and how their loved one died. Um, And then when you get up to more middle school aged kiddos, they have a full understanding of all of the physical aspects of death and Um, any kind of the events and concepts surrounding death. 
So really what it can be is that can be an age where autonomy is happening and they can also start to really take on beliefs of like, was this my fault? Did I do something? Um, And so being able to explain and have those conversations about any of kind of the extra thoughts that they have uh, once they've processed through the events um, so that they can have full, clear understanding. And then lastly, like the high school um, children, really, they um, also understand the impact. Um, That's where it's like middle school, high schoolers might not understand the impact that that death has on more than just their intimate circle. Um, High schoolers can definitely understand the community-wide impact that that would have. And so to be able to expand your conversations around that is really important as well. But overall, no matter what, and I know that a lot of people really struggle with this, especially when it comes to um, stigmatized deaths like suicide, homicide, overdose, um, kids benefit from an honest conversation. And even the language that you use, instead of saying passed away or they went to sleep or things like that, because again, depending on where they're at developmentally, they can really um, not understand that they're fully gone, that they may be coming back or maybe they'll wake up at some point in time. And so to use language that is consistent and honest that they died and how they died physically is important in a kid's understanding because those kids are going to grow to be adults and they're going to under, they're going to learn what happened at some point in time. And if they learn something different than what they were told, then the confusion, anger, frustration, all those emotions start to come up. And then your processing of grief um, can really change and can be impacted. So there's a lot to take in. Um, and I imagine some people are listening thinking, wow, uh, you know, that's way more than I understood. Uh, I'm not sure uh, how to talk to somebody or, you know, my, I see my child is grieving or I'm grieving and I, and I am not dealing with it well. And we have a lot of resources available for folks. Ashley, can you just kind of go over? I mean, we have a, a specific groups for all kinds of situations um, and they're all free of charge. Yeah, so I'll talk about our, our resources as well as just in general when it comes to talking to kids in those developmental stages and what to say, what not to say. We also have um, PDF downloadable and we have physical copies as well that people can um, access to be able to talk to their kid. Like that's a lot of information to absorb. And so to say, I, you know, I have a five-year-old and I have no idea how to talk to them. We have an entire um, resource booklet that talks about their specific age, uh, exactly how to talk to them, things to say, things not to say, questions to ask, all that kind of stuff. So we do have more information about that. Um, And then in addition to that, we have our support groups at our Amanda the Panda location in West Des Moines. We run support groups on Monday nights and we offer a meal uh, childcare to those that are under the age of five because our services are five for lifespan. And we also uh, offer transportation if needed. So we really try and remove all barriers for people to come to support group. They are six weeks long and we have them for five rounds throughout the year. And it's really designed for you to come for an entire year and not hear the same thing twice. Um, But it's your choice if you want to come to one support group for six weeks and then you felt like that was very helpful or it wasn't. 
and you want to return or you don't. Those are your choices because all of our services are free. Um, and so you're you're just able to come and go as needed. We have people that come when their loss just happened. And we have people that come many years later after their loss has happened. So our support groups on Monday nights are a great resource. Um, and we do have, uh, we separate the kids by developmental and their ages. And then we also um, separate adults based on the type of loss. So we have our uh, perinatal and infant loss group. We have a traumatic loss group. Uh, it tends to be losses such as suicide, homicide, overdose, accidental injuries. Uh, but really, we let people define that type of loss for them and if they feel it, if they experienced it as traumatic. Um, and then we also have a grief in common group, which just tends to be people who have maybe experienced more health-related losses or they don't define it as traumatic. Maybe they had some anticipatory loss with it. So that's how our adults are um, separated. And then we also have plenty of other programming that happens throughout the year. I mean, we run school groups in our school systems in both rural Iowa and in Des Moines Public. We have holiday programming. Um, we do socials, so trying to have fun and with after you've experienced grief um, and more peer-to-peer -peer connection. We also have our um, day camps for kiddos in the summertime when they're not in school. Uh, and then we also just will meet community needs. And so we have all sorts of supplemental programming that just kind of changes as we hear things. So we've done healing through photography and um, art therapy, and we've just kind of gotten really creative with different programs that people need as we hear um, people calling us and reaching out what their different needs look like. Wow. I mean, there are just so many resources available. Um, and if if you've listened and you think that sounds like something I'm interested in, there's a really simple way to get more information about anything you need. And that's just to go to our website, which is everystep.org, everystep.org slash care, C-A-R-E. And uh, there's a little online form say, uh, you know, just uh, you know, my child is suffering grief and I don't know how to help. Uh, that's all we need to do. All we need to know, we'll contact you then and and give you some resources that you need and get you hooked up with the right people and and uh, and perhaps a support grief support group or maybe just a handout like like Ashley mentioned. But Ashley, thank you so much for being on the show today. We appreciate it. Of course, thank you. Ashley Mori is the director of grief and loss services uh, and the Amanda the Panda programs at Every Step. And uh, that's the show for now. Thanks for joining us. I'm Polly Carver-Kim.